Good morning to Shushi Radhakala Chanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. We are continuing to read from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 17. And today we're reading from Text 41. Topic is the punishment and reward of Kali. It's interesting to think of Kali being rewarded as we understand Kali to be. Um, When we think of Kali, we think of a troublemaker. But actually, even Kali serves a purpose. But before we read from Srimad Bhagavatam, we always like to bring in a mood of love, which is one of the underlying threads through all of the bona fide religions, regardless of what they call themselves. There are bona fide religions. And again, one of the key threads that runs through them deeply besides truthfulness, is love. So we like to bring that into being by singing Jayarada Madhava. I'm going to need the cartels. Jayarada Madhava Kunjabihari Jayaradamarhava Kunjabihari Jayagupi Shalavalaba Kirivadari Jai Gopi Jalavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yamuna Tira Vanachari Yamuna Tira Vanachari Jai Jai Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Braja Yamuna Tira Vanachari 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jai Radha Kalachanji, Radha Kalachanji Radhe Jai Radha Kalachanji, Radha Kalachanji Radhe Jaya Jaya Jagannath 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 Jaya Jaya Jagannath Jaya Jaya Baladev 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 Jaya Jaya Baladev Jaya Jaya Subhadra 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 Jaya Jaya Subhadra Jaya Jaya Gornitai, 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai, Nitai Goro Haribol, 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 Nitai Goro Haribol, Nitai Goro Haribol, 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 Nitai Goro Haribo You know, sometimes I forget how much of an honor and a practice in humility it is to be able to read from the scriptures, first of all, and to be able to read from the scriptures and share your personal thoughts in front of the their temple lordships. It is a great honor, and I don't think people, most people realize it sometimes, and sometimes I forget how special it is to be able to come before the Lord. Not that he's only in the temple. He's in our homes. He's with us 24-7, lifetime after lifetime. But there is something special about being able to come before the Lord in the temple. And then when you have the opportunity of having just their lordships there to listen to Krishna Kata and all of the assembled transcendental entities that come to listen to the scriptures and Krishna Kata, sometimes I actually enjoy having that private personal moment with the Lord. Not to say that it's not very special to have devotees come in to listen. However, there is a special relationship that we all, each and every one of us, has with the Lord. And sometimes it becomes more defined when it's just you and the Lord. Not to say it isn't pleasurable to have others sharing in the moment, but it's just pretty nice to be able to honor the Lord. So we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 17, Text 41, 
And the title of the chapter is, as I mentioned earlier, The Punishment and Reward of Kali. And sometimes when you look at something, maybe one or two times, you read it, but it really doesn't click, and then sometimes you'll read it again and again, and all of a sudden it's a, you have that aha moment. And it's like you understand the content of the literature, or at least the title, to some extent, of what you're reading. So, text 41 Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ginyanatamarandasya Gananjanan Chilakaya Shakshon Militam Yena Tashmai Shri Guru Venamaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Didati Swapadandikam Vanchakalpa Turubias Cha Kripas Indubia Eva Cha Patitanam Pavanevio Vaishnavibia Namo Namaha Jaya Shri Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda, Sviyadvaita Gadaraha, Srivasadi Shigora Bhakta Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Sutex 41. Atetani nasevata, babusha purusha kvachit, visheshato damo shilo, rajaloka patiaguraham. Atetani nasevata, babusha purusha kvachit, visheshato damo shilo, rajaloka patiaguraham. Ate tanina sevata Babusha purusha kvachit Visheshato damashilo Raja loka patir guru Ata therefore Etani all these Na never Savita come in contact Babusha, those who desire well-being. Parusha, person, kvachit, in any circumstances. Sheshata, specifically. Damashila, those who are on the progressive path of liberation. Rajaha. The king, Loka Pati, public leader, Guru, the Brahmanas and the Sannyasis. And the translation here is Therefore, whoever desires progressive well being, especially kings, religionists, public leaders, brahmanas, and sannyasis should never come in contact with the four above-mentioned irreligious principles. Again, therefore, Whoever desires progressive well-being, especially kings, religionists, public leaders, brahmanas and sannyasis, should never come in contact with the four 
above mentioned irreligious principles. And I'll read those irreligious principles um, shortly. Purport, or maybe I won't have to. Purport, the Brahmanas are the religious preceptors for all other castes. And the sannyasis are the spiritual masters for all the castes and orders of society. So also are the king and the public leaders who are responsible for the material welfare of all people. The progressive religionist and those who are responsible human beings or those who do not want to spoil their valuable human lives should refrain from all the principles of irreligiosity. Okay, and it mentions, especially illicit connection with women. If a Brahmana is not truthful, all his claims as a Brahmana at once become null and void. If a sannyasi is illicitly connected with women, all his claims as a sannyasi at once becomes false. Similarly, if the king and the public leader are unnecessarily proud or habituated to drinking and smoking, certainly they become disqualified to discharge public welfare activities. Truthfulness is the basic principle for all religions. The four leaders of the human society, namely the sannyasis, the brahmanas, the king and the public leader, must be tested crucially by their character and qualification before one can be accepted as a spiritual or material master of society he must be tested by the above criteria of character such public leaders may be less qualified in academic qualifications but it is necessary primarily that they be free from the contamination of the four disqualifications, namely gambling, drinking, prostitution, and animal slaughter. Namon Vishnipadaya Krishna Prasaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Tirta Swami Nitinamane Namaste Krishna Prabhupada Sriatmane Shri Guru Karuna Shakti Bhakti Tirta Swami Nitinamane I have recently in the past mentioned how obvious it is that in Canto 1 and all the chapters, and specifically the chapters prior to chapter 17, how they are so connected with what's going on today in the world. And I thought about it, and what's going on in the world is real, and I remember the characteristic qualities of 
what I've read of Srila Prabhupada, and that's as good as meeting him, but his characteristics and those of his disciples is blunt truth. And I thought about it, and I thought, okay, so yes, we are speaking blunt truth, but you also need to understand that in addition to speaking blunt truth, all is not lost. Just because the things that are going on in the world are happening, and sometimes as brutal as it sounds, and as intense as it may be, Krishna still reigns. Now, there may, there may be um, conceptions or thoughts in our minds that things are happening so much, where is Krishna? He's right where he belongs. He is always with us 24-7, lifetime after lifetime. He never, ever leaves his devotee alone. He never leaves his child unattended. And like a caring and a loving parent, as a child grows, you can't keep everything from that child. That child has to grow and develop properly. You can't hide everything. You can't cushion life with the child. You can't put bumpers around all the obstacles they are going to come across because you think about where you are right now. And being that you had a caring and a loving parent or parental figure, they allowed you to grow. Or to some extent, they should have allowed you to grow and to experience things that were maybe not so pleasant because those things are necessary in life. Some things are harsh, but we're in the age of Kali. This is Kali Yuga. Everything is not nice and sweet and perfect in the world. Actually, it's a prison. Why are we here? We chose to be here because we were in our perfect home and through some reason of ours, whether we can conceive the fact that we actually left paradise, for some reason we felt we wanted to be more like the Lord. And because there's only one Lord, one God, the Lord arranged a special place for us. Now, there are different places, different planets. We get the earth planet where we can play out all of the scenarios of being Lord or lording it over the material universe. And the very fact that we say material universe means that it is not perfect. So we're going to have our obstacles, and the obstacles are appearing in a timely fashion, as they should. But remember, Krishna did not leave us alone. So I always have all these thoughts that come to me before I have the wonderful opportunity of sharing them with others. And I thought about the, um, the text. I thought about the leadership that we should have in this world. And I thought about the personalities that are mentioned here in the scriptures. And sometimes, and especially now, our minds can be so overwhelmed with lots and lots of thoughts. And because we are where we are in this situation, I got to tell you, I'm not trying to remember everything perfectly. I probably could have in Satya Yuga. But this is Kali Yuga. And not that I'm making excuses for myself, but 
you have to cut yourself some slack. You have to give yourself a break and understand, at least for me, the scriptures are there. I will pull information where it is. From time to time, I may sprout it out from memory, and from time I'll read from my notes. So if you ever see me doing that, that's just the way I am. Uh, but I'd like to make sure that the points are exact. And one of the points was, before we start all that, just naming the five places that Kali can exist. And that's, in a way, explaining why we're sitting where we are right now with what's going on in the world. These are the places that Prakshma Maharaj allowed Kali to exist, mentioned in the previous text. Places where, and this one caught me, and I'm sure I've read this before. This will be the third, fourth, probably the fifth time that I've read the Srimad Bhagavatam, which means you do not get everything all at the first reading. It's always important to read the scriptures the second and third as many times as necessary because you're always going to get something extra. But these are the places where Kali can live. Where there is goal standardization, that surprised me. Falsity, intoxication, prostitution, animal slaughter. We are sitting in the midst of all of these particular acts that are taking place, not only in the United States, but around the world. This is going on. So that, that's another thing that we share with other countries and probably other planets too, but let's stick with the planet Earth. This is going on all around the world, which is why Kali Yuga is allowed to exist and why it is progressing so very nicely. Um, and in this age of Kali, and this was mentioned in Canto 1, Chapter 16, 26 through 30, and the purport that my mind goes back to, and let me make sure that I'm reading it exactly as it is because it's important to speak the scriptures exactly as they are and not misquote them. Chapter 16, 26 through 30. Yeah, 26 through 30. This was the main, one of the main points. Mm. It states that happiness in the world depends proportionately on the maintenance of the religious principles individually or collectively. And I added a little bit more in addition to the religious principles. And the mention was the best part of valor and that strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger and Oh, well, that, that is the description of valor. The strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness. Personal bravery to maintain the principles despite all odds 
A devotee in pure devotional service is, and let me read the, um, just a reminder, not only to those that are listening by internet, by, and I don't, I think we still may be on the radio within this community, but those that are listening, I thought it would be important to refresh our memory on the pure devotional services, all qualities of a devotee. And that's in uh, Bhagavad Gita, 12th chapter, text 9. And it's also powerful to read the uh, the Sanskrit, so I'll do that also. Santusha, Santushta, Satatam Yogi, Yatatmadrida Nishaya, Maya Pita Manobudir, Yamada Bhakta Same Priyam. And what that means, or what it's saying, is one who is not envious, these are qualities of a devotee, one who is not envious but is a kind friend to all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor and is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and distress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled, and engaged in devotional service, With determination, his mind and intelligence fixed on me, such a devotee of mine is very dear to me. And what strikes me is, and I've read this before, is the devotee that is engaged in devotional service with determination. And it says determination, and that means a lot, because in the process of devotional service with determination. The point is, we have many opportunities to engage in devotional service, but guaranteed there are going to be obstacles that seem or appear to stop us from doing our due diligence, devotional service properly. It is not going to be easy, but it can be done. But a devotee has to be serious enough to take the title of devotee and to respect it and honor it to the fullest. And whatever devotional service you commit yourself to, and it can be a number of services, whatever it is, In this time and place, here and now, you have to maintain a level of determination because there will be obstacles to impede your service. It's going to happen. Most people, when they take to devotional service, or they become devotees, they take initiation, they think, ah, got it made. No, you don't. Not exactly. In a sense, you're on the path, right road, but because this is a position of honor, being a devotee, there are things, there are steps that you must take there is a process of maintaining your devotion, and it won't be easy. And as Kali Yuga progresses, it will become more and more difficult. Now, we're in the golden years right now, so we've got a bit of very obvious help. We have temples to come to. We have 
home programs. We have devotees that take this mission of Krishna consciousness, of God consciousness, seriously, and they can be like ports in the storm, like beacons of hope, like individuals that you can communicate with, that you can talk to about what's going on. Those are things that you are entitled to. You have the scriptures to read. You have, first and foremost, the Maha Mantra to read, to chant. You have the opportunity through internet, and for those that still have tapes, I still keep the things that are old because what's old becomes new again. But we have the opportunity to hear from sannyasis, from gurus, points of interest that will help us stay on the path. And these are things that we should take advantage of right now so that we'll get in the habit of, as time goes on, we'll get in the habit of going to these places, these ports of storm when things become difficult. The mention of, and I want to really try to stay on track, and stay with me on this point, because these titles that we have, devotee, brahmana, public leader, uh, what else does it mention, king or, or something, Let's take one in particular, but let's mention also that as a devotee, as I mentioned, things will be a benefit to you, but they won't be easy. And they become even more challenging when we take the second initiation. Some people are looking for second initiation because for some it's a title of achievement. It's like, oh. I have arrived, but you're not ready to become a sannyasi or guru, but Brahman is a nice title because there is a certain undeniable connection that you will have. Not that you won't have it as a devotee, but it is more defined because there are more obligations that come with that title. And it's not just a title to use when you're around devotees. I'm Brahmana. Actually, in this time and place, there are very few qualified Brahmanas because this is Kali Yuga. But I'm getting to a point. As a Brahmana, there are extreme amounts of responsibilities. It seems like there are a lot of things that happen for Brahmanas that are not high achievements, but they're very um, up there, very important. But that scenario of being a Brahmana, for example, is like that duck that you see on the water. That duck, that gracious duck or swan that's swimming. And they look so peaceful because they're just gliding across the water. Actually, you go a little bit under the water and you see they're paddling like anything just to stay level. That's a Brahmana. That title means to most that whenever, wherever there is a need, and not irregardless of your physical condition, but wherever there is a need, you should be available. You are serving the cast, all members, all members, but you don't let it explode your ego. You take it as a responsibility and an obligation to the Lord. You don't just use that title to parade yourself around others. You don't use that title to be ever-present and only present. 
when there's a major function at the temple, when there's an opportunity to walk across that altar. That is not the main purpose of having the title of Brahmana. You should be available as a pujari to do service in times of need, in times of distress, in times of confusion, in times like now where things are going on and they even to some degree affect the position of being a responsible brahmana. There's never been a time where being blessed with the title of a brahmana, and it's a heavy title, there has been more stress involved. What to say of what the gurus go through but as a Brahmana right now, you are, in a sense, called to be there for someone that's going through some issues. We're supposed to be able to handle this. We are supposed to. And in addition to being able to handle the issues of others, we should be able to handle ourselves. To be able to, in a perfect world, be able to, uh, to quote the scriptures randomly, at will. There are a lot of obligations as a Brahmana. And I believe, I believe that I even wrote down the requirements of a Brahmana instead of me just going on and on. Not so much that I'm doing this for you, but I am reminding myself why Ah, why I take this position so seriously. And it doesn't mean that you were any less an individual as a devotee because a devotee in certain circumstances has way more responsibilities and takes their position more seriously than a Brahmana. But these are the qualifications that are required of a Brahmana and they are listed in Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter, 41st text. And I know that I should be reading this from time to time because in a perfect world, all of these things would be happening naturally with me. But we're not in a perfect world. These are the qualifications of a Brahmana. And this is also important to read the Sanskrit. Brahmana kshatriya disham Shudranamcha parantapa kamani pradi bhaktani swabhava prabhavegunahi. And on. Next, uh, this is 41 and 42. No, let me just stick with Brahmanas right now. Brahmanas, kshatriyas, vaishas, and sutras are distinguished by the qualities born of their own nature in accordance with the material modes, O chastiser of the enemy. Yeah, let me go on to 42. 1842. Samodamas kashantir ajavam evacha jnanam vijnanam astikyam brahmakama swabhavajam peacefulness Self-control, austerity, purity, tolerance, honesty, knowledge, wisdom, and religiousness. These are the natural, natural qualities by which the brahmanas work. These are qualities that Brahmanas should have, but these are qualities that we should all have. And the qualities increase even more so for sannyasi or guru. But these qualities right now, in addition to the qualities of a devotee, and it would be 
it would definitely be beneficial to read those if I have time. Hmm, I may not have time. But these qualities are challenging right now because of all that is going on. And in this text, in this text 41, it speaks again not only of brahmanas, but of those that are in leadership positions, public leaders. Um, the four leaders, again, of society, sannyasis, brahmanas, the king, and the public leader. Well, we don't really have the king, but we have leadership. And in the perfect world, these positions of leadership are following the rules and regulations of religiosity. But the one point that I wanted to mention that I have to remember sometimes is that in order to maintain these positions, in order for them to be honored, in order for you to be true to form to these positions, you will be tested crucially. You are going to be tested. There is no such thing as when you take shelter of a guru, you won't have any issues. Guru takes your karma. And there's a point in the scriptures, I'll read that, and then I'll try to tie this up. But there is a point where it is really beneficial to take shelter of guru because he's a teacher. He can teach you what you think you know. He can teach what is necessary to exist in this world in the age of Kali Yuga. It is necessary that when you have these titles, that you earn them. And in order to earn positions, even at work, whatever your responsibility is, whether you work for yourself or you work for someone else, you have to constantly be proving yourself, constantly. And the proving process means that you are going to be challenged. You are going to be, in a sense, tested. And right now, we're all being tested. We're all being qualified and requalified for the position of being human, humanity, to exist in this world because things are happening at such a pace, and I'm not going to go so much into that because I've already done it in past lectures, but things are happening to such an extent that they're great, they're intense. There are a lot to take on. But it is part of our makeup. That's what we're supposed to go through. And the portion in the scriptures, and I'm hoping that it just jumps right out at me because I tried to make sure that this was something that I could go to and read and tell you why what's happening is happening and why we, uh, maybe I didn't. Hmm. There is a statement, there are statements in the scriptures. And this too, what I'm doing right now, this is part of Kali Yuga. This is part of the imperfect memories that we have. This is part of the challenges that we will go through, how everything is supposed to be in nice and neat order. And at the time that you want them to be in order, they're not necessarily in order. Does that get me? Sometimes, but it's all part of Kali Yuga. And it's not that I'm making an excuse. It's just that the energy is very heavy right now. You can have the best laid plans in the world. And even with those plans, something is bound to disturb them and something is, abound, is bound to erupt. But you've got to have a foundation that you fall back on so that no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is going on, you find a position in your day, in your life, where you connect with a foundation 
that allows you to center yourself, to be able to handle what's going on. And that position, in that center, in that purpose of life is chanting the Maha Mantra. And I experimented with it. For the past couple of weeks, um, I had a situation where one of the qualities that I'm supposed to have as a devotee is forgiveness. And I had a scenario where there was someone I was supposed to forgive. And I don't usually have this happen often because I'm human, first of all. Guaranteed, human. I'm going to have some weaknesses. My weakness was my energy to allow someone to get to a point where they did something that made me angry. With me, I can go zero to 60 in love or zero to 60 in anger. <laughs> so I did this. With I, This happened. So I had to take the opportunity to not allow myself to allow my heart and my stress to get to a point where I allowed any entity of the Lord to anger me. So I thought, how do I do this? Because the mind's overwhelmed with, well, they did this. How dare they do that? Don't they know who I am? And I had to laugh because sometimes I don't know who I am. But the point is, it was a moment of indignation. And it was a moment of trust that you allow someone to have with you. You know, reciprocation. You trust them, they trust you. And someone broke that trust. So I had to figure out how do I get out of this because I allowed my blood pressure to skyrocket. And that's not something that's happened since I've been in Texas. It's been easy going all the way. Perfect location for me. Perfect everything. Haven't been that angry since prior to moving here, which is why it's been a good thing. You know, who knows what Krishna's arrangement is. But long story short, my standing ground, my foundation, my point of sanity was the Maha Mantra. I didn't know what else. This is my everything. This is my this is my go-to, Krishna. And the Maha Mantra, whether it's said offensively, whether it is said seriously, has an extreme amount of potency. So every time I found myself getting agitated or angry, I just chant it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now this is working for me because every time this happened where this thought would pop up in my mind and we're going to have a lot of thoughts that don't belong in our mind. So this is my way of eliminating it. I would chant it. And every time it popped up in my mind, I would add the number of times that I would chant at that moment. And I've been doing that for the past week. And I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but it's been helping me. It's been helping me to be centered and equipoised. It's not that I didn't understand the purpose of the Maha Mantra, that we have to have a connection, and that is our eternal connection with the Lord. But I didn't have to use it in that way. I haven't had to use it in that way in a long time. I've used it. Yes, I have used it to stay calm, to stay connected, and to stay centered. But I'm telling you that within the past week, I've used it for a number of things. And that's what we're supposed to do. The Lord's name and the Maha Mantra should be on our tongue, on our minds 24-7, because as we live in the conditions and the times that we live in, that is the only way that we are going to get through anything. And even though I'm just most of you, somebody that you see from time to time, somebody that you hear from time to time, and somebody that maybe you don't know me at all, somebody that's saying, chant, it's going to have a profound effect 
I don't believe in lying. The only time that I would even consider lying is to save a person's life. And it would have to be a serious situation. But I'm saying that to say when I tell you that saying the Maha Mantra to whatever extent you find to be serious, it is very powerful, it is very helpful. And getting back to the scriptures, getting back to the text. In this world, we have to honor the religious principles. Otherwise, if you're not honoring them, you're going to have problems in life. When you come across a situation where you're having a problem, backtrack and see what did you do? What did you do in this life? What do you think you did in a previous life? And I'm still, and then maybe at some point I'll remember next time exactly where I wrote this, but there is a point that devotees must arrive at to help them understand, hmm, to help them understand that whatever it is they're going through is all part of a normal process and that things are not going to always be perfect. Things are not always going to be the way they are, but this is the life that we have. We didn't realize how good we had it until we came here. And the point that I'm, I want to stress as was stressed in the last two sentences of the purport. And add yourself to this, because to a great degree, every single one of you in this room is in a position of leadership. But understand, in addition to the four leaders of human society, the sannyasis, brahmanas, the king, and the public leaders, you will be tested crucially, seriously, almost to the point where you want to throw up your hands and go up, oh, is this worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Because not going through this process is more hellish than we could ever imagine. Except the fact that in previous lives, and fortunately we don't remember them all, but we have done something to get to where we are. We have done something to be in this material world. We are going to some extent suffer some of the minor repercussions of the energy that we have created. When we take shelter of Guru, he takes the majority of that karma. And we are getting a minimal amount of what we would ordinarily get. It's not that you can do something and just get away with it. There's no such thing. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to balance what you did. As a devotee, when you take shelter, the balancing act is guru takes the karma. And the example that I always like to use because it's the easiest one for me to pull is that if in a previous life you have caused someone bodily damage and let's say you've broken their leg or caused them to lose a leg, in this current life, the repercussions of that may be that you break your thumb or you fracture a finger or something. Minimal, always minimal repercussions when you take shelter. And it is not to do it to hide or to run away from anything, to take initiation. It is to get on the path of understanding why we're here, what our responsibilities are, what we need to do to be stabilized and equipoised and in a position 
that no matter which way the wind blows, it won't blow us away. No matter what's going on in the world, will not break us. No matter what it is, we will get through it because we are a child of God. We are Krishna's child. And Krishna does take care of his own. And I've got to tell you, I will have to, uh, the next time that we come together, I've got to read this part um, in the scriptures where it does explain that whatever the karmic reactions that we are supposed to suffer, we don't suffer, but we will suffer to some degree. It needs to be read and it needs to be remembered because when we're thinking of a moment that we're going through something and we don't think it's bearable, it's good to remember that it could be a lot worse than it really is. And to know that your saving grace is the Maha Mantra. It is chanting. It is reading the scriptures. It is and always will be. And Srila Prabhupada stressed this, and I'm glad he did. It will always be good association of devotees. You need to have association of devotees. You need to have a good association. It has to be someone that you can be comfortable in interacting with, someone that you can talk to when you're going through challenges. Family. And they don't have to be blood family. They have to be family family. And we are all one big family, regardless of what continent, what country we were born in. We are one big family. I do not have complete history of my family. I know where they originated. I also know that it's not one complete culture. It's a mix of cultures. So it's kind of nice. I don't have to say that I'm this or I'm that. What I have to remember is that I'm a child of Krishna. I'm a child of Lord Krishna, and we are all that. And at no other time than now should we understand that that's a thread that exists through all of us. And that thread and that understanding of the fact that we are all connected in one way or another, that we are all existing at this point in time, right now, even the people that have just walked into the temple, family members. We have had group karma. We have all been together before. We just don't remember it. And it's probably good we don't remember. But the point is, just coming to the understanding that we are all connected, that'll be one of the things that can get us through what is going on in this world right now and what will go on in the future. We need to remember these things. So I think we have covered the extent of text 41, but it always bears importance and significance. Sometimes, and I like to do this, and most people don't, but this is me. And how we relate to Krishna can be different, but it is important to keep the essence of it. And I'm saying that to say the translation here is very important to read again. Therefore, whoever desires progressive well-being especially kings, religionists, public leaders, brahmanas, and sannyasis, should never come in contact with the four above-mentioned irreligious principles. And we went over that already. So that's one of the nice things that we like to remind you of. Read Srila Prabhupada's books. Go back to what we read last week to what the four, the irreligious principles are. The individuals that are mentioned here include each and every one of us because to some extent, all of us have some type of leadership position. And what we've read here in the purport and the understanding that maybe can be your takeaway is that as a devotee, 
as a individual of specific leadership qualities, you will not be able to escape the challenges in life. Some of them may be, but we're here because we try to be something that we're not, and that's God's. Krishna arranged it so we can play out that scenario. But the point is, you're going to be tested. And it mentions here, you're going to be tested crucially, which means it's not going to be lightweight. Some of us may be able to skirt by with some lightweight issues, but the testing will become crucial. The challenges will be crucial, but none of them are greater. None of them are so great that we cannot get through them. None of them. That is the significance. That is the understanding in all of the scriptures, in all of the repetition, that what is most important is taking shelter of the holy name. And when Lord Chaitanya came on the universe over 500 years ago, he was so merciful, so extremely merciful. Not just someone that existed in Asia, but anyone that existed all around the world, all you had to do was take shelter of the holy name. Simple. Sometimes the most simple things are the most difficult. But all you have to do is to take shelter, to chant. Chant. Seriously. Chant to the level that you can honor the Maha Mantra. Understand, whether it's me or anyone here, anyone else that sits here, anyone else that you listen to that's talking about Krishna consciousness, there is significance. There is potency in the holy name. There always will be. No matter how dark Kali Yuga will get, some of us may be around. Some of us may be with Krishna. But the point is, no matter how dark it gets, you always have shelter, but it's at free will. You have to take it. Krishna doesn't bend our arms and say, you love me, or chant the Maha Mantra. Free will is what we have. And it's so easy. It is so simple. And if you... At least do it. Chant. Even if you do it one time. At some point in your life, you may do it again, but there will be a level of power and potency. So please do take advantage of it. All right, so we'll end at this point. Anyone have any comments, any questions, anything that you want to ask or share, please feel free to do so. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, jai Sri Sri Radha Kalachanji Dham ki jai. Hare Krishna.